right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss a variety of things, a litany of things that came out of practice today. There was a lot of discussion at practice, lots of good quotes, lots of good content. Not all of the stuff that I could really even fit into my article that was already 1,300 words on milehighsports.com. Get some good details from practice, what some of the health questions are, what some of the takes are from Nicola. I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, what I wrote today about Nicola getting more serious, some of the health, health stuff. And then in the third segment, I'm actually going to do a preview of the early season slate because I think that that's a it's a good time to really start getting Nuggets fans into the frame of mind of how the season is going to start. It's game week, everybody. It's opening season week. This is going to be posted on Sunday night probably, but Denver's first game will be three days, 72 hours basically after that. So it should be a lot of fun. Really excited to discuss all of this. First, let's go over the health quotes, some of the health takes that were in practice today. Lots of guys on Denver that are like the, the three big stars, basically, that have dealt with the health questions pretty much for the entire preseason, predating that, basically. Let's talk about Jamal Murray first. He only played in two of the five preseason games Obviously, he's recovering from ACL surgery, and some of these preseason games are very important for kind of kicking off some of the rust a little bit. Unfortunately, he sustained a hamstring injury in that second game and was sidelined for the entire time after that. According to Michael Malone, what he said was that he really wanted to play Friday night in Golden State. This is Jamal Murray. If he did play, it was probably only going to be first quarter minutes, but it's that risk-reward. Just knowing that we had today, tomorrow, and Tuesday to get those guys some minutes, uh, basically Malone didn't feel the need to play Jamal. They didn't feel the need to, like if this is a long-term thing for Denver, if they're trying to get him ready to go by game 82, not necessarily by game one, then this is going to be a process. And, and he talked about that later in his presser today as well about this sort of being a process with Murray specifically, about getting him ramped up, getting him up to speed. It doesn't like it sounds like Murray's going to be good to go for opening night. Actually, uh, Malone said that directly. Quote, Jamal looked good today. I think come opening night, he should be good to go. He's not going to be at 30-something minutes. He's going to be he's going to build up throughout the season, but he should be good to go if we continue along the path that we're headed. So that's good. That is a good thing for Denver, obviously. A lot of questions about Jamal, a lot of questions from Nuggets fans about what they can expect from him, how he's going to look when he comes back. It's going to be a process. He's not going to look at his best, I don't think. But we've only got two games of data. We've only got two games to really evaluate how he looked. The first game, he was good. He wasn't great. He was good. He did some good things. Second game, very much more passive, only took two shots, didn't really get that good separation that you're hoping for as a scorer, as a facilitator. He did have five assists, though, in basically 13 minutes. So it's not like he didn't do anything. He was still helpful there. And most of his minutes came with DeAndre Jordan as his center. So he'd probably get some additional space 
an additional operating room if he's playing with Nikola Jokic, which he's going to play most of his minutes with Nikola. So I think it's encouraging that Murray, he went through the the majority of practice on Sunday, didn't seem like he went through at least one of Denver's live drills. Ish Smith talked about playing with the starting unit. Obviously, that's for Murray. So I have to imagine that they're still going to maintain that long-term view. This is going to be a process. It's not going to be a game one thing where he comes back and immediately plays 30-plus. He'll probably play 20 to 25. That would be my guess, depending on how he feels. And then if he does that for a week or two, then you might ramp it up to 25 to 30. And then if he does that for another week or two, then he might ramp it up to 30-plus after that. Still always going to be on a minute restriction. They're not going to let him play upwards of 35, 40 minutes at any point during this time. Somebody will come over to Michael Malone and pull him and and pull Murray forcibly if it looks like he's going to cross some sort of threshold. They're going to try to manage this, but I do think that that probably doesn't necessarily bode well for Murray's initial excellence, like an initial play. I think it's probably not going to be fantastic, but it could be worse. Like he could not be out there and he's going to be out there with Jokic, with MPJ. They're going to play some fun lineups with that starting unit, especially. It's going to be one of the best in the league, even if Murray isn't at his best. They're still going to find ways to go. Now, Jokic, he appears good to go after his right wrist sprain. He was wearing protective tape today around the wrist, but was a full participant in practice, even though Michael Malone kind of wanted to get him out of some portions of practice. Apparently, Jokic insisted. Apparently, he's wanting to do all of that work, even though the Nuggets are kind of recommending him take some time off here or there. But it does seem like Jokic is fine, kind of like what I talked about. He's going to be bothered by the wrist, but it's not going to keep him out. At least not until it gets like unbearable for him. And he can stomach a lot of pain. So hopefully they manage it well. Hopefully it doesn't ever get to that point where they actually really have to consider that. Uh, just kind of maybe they'll do some preventative stuff at various points throughout the season. I don't think he's going to play 80 games. I think it's more likely that he plays 70. If I were the Nuggets, I'd still try to play him under 70 if possible. But that might not be possible given Denver's center depth and that it's probably not in their best interest to do something like that. But we're going to see. We're going to see what they look like. We're going to see what Jokic looks like and if he's going to be fully aggressive as a shooter. Uh, we're going to see about that. But Michael Porter is the, the last guy on the health front. He's in a good place. He's clearly in a good place. Uh, Malone had a good quote today out that. He says, quote, with Michael, he came to me and he goes, you know, I'm feeling really good. And if it's okay with you, I'd rather not sit a game and just kind of stay in my rhythm. Keep on playing. I missed 70 some odd games last year. That's Malone, I think, paraphrasing. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm not paraphrasing. I'm actually direct quoting Malone on that. But it seems like Michael uh, Malone and Michael Porter are pretty well in lockstep on this. And they probably wouldn't be as lockstep if the rehab process wasn't going well. The Nuggets are going to continue to monitor it. Like They're definitely going to try to manage that and make sure that Porter doesn't play an excessive amount. We're going to ask him about the back-to-back 
Malone. We're going to ask him that either on Monday or Tuesday. So don't worry, we'll we'll get that question out of him for sure. There's just a time and a place for it. But I do think that Denver's going to have a plan with Porter. I don't know if it's going to include playing back-to-backs, but he is a lot closer right now to just playing normal minutes, regular minutes, than Murray is. And that's the word. That's how he's looked in preseason. He was playing better and better as the preseason wore on. And it definitely looks like he's in a good place. He's in a good spot where he knows how to operate within this offense and now starting to operate within the defense pretty reasonably. So I think the health for all three of those guys, though at different varying concerns, right now the person who's least inhibited by injury is Porter, which that's insane. That's insane to say. All right. Ish Smith awesomeness. Uh, He's had some great quotes in media sessions. He's a joy to talk to. Defense and physicality were two things that he cited as something that Denver has really improved with over the course of these last uh, few preseason games. He says he thinks those are the two biggest keys. Quote, we held Phoenix to 105. I don't care if it's the preseason. I don't care. We're prepping for the games. Then we held the Clippers to 115. I don't care who played or didn't. We still have to build good habits and different things like that. Now, that was kind of dot, dot, dot. That was a separate part of said quote. But he is in that mind frame where he's just a good vet. He's just a player who understands what this process looks like, what it takes to really ramp up and be ready for a season. And the way that he's played, you can tell he's taking this seriously. And that's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. He's been a, a, an absolute joy to talk to, and he's provided stability, professionalism, while also with a lot of the other veterans. I, I think Malone's leaned on those guys a lot, KCP, Bruce Brown, DeAndre Jordan, and Ish, some of those new veterans that are in. They've had the stability and professionalism, but they keep things light and enjoyable, but also serious enough to get the work done. There's no question as to why this training camp and preseason have really been the best of the Malone and Jokic era. You had the two bad games initially from an effort standpoint, but the effort's been great in each of the last three. And all of the pre like all of the training camp practices and scrimmages and everything behind closed doors has been really good. So that's exciting. That is an exciting thing. Bones talked about what his spot in the rotation is going to be this year, and he didn't really take the bait. It wasn't bait. Katie Wingy was just asking him like, hey, how, uh, like, has, has Michael Mullen had a conversation with you about what your role is going to be? It's a very fair question. And he said, quote, I just hoop. We talk about it all the time. I just play. For me, I try to eliminate the confusion and just control what I can control. So no conversations have been had, and I think that's a good thing. You just play your game, play your role, and let the chips fall where they may. That's wonderful. That's that, To me, that is a guy that fully understands how to stay in the league, which is just sometimes you can't be in the rotation and it's not even your fault. Make it so that it's not your fault and always be professional, always be consistent, do your job when it's asked of you and be a good, energetic, positive force within the team. And you're probably going to play and you're probably going to stick around. There's a reason why this is Ish's, I think it's his 14th team, if I'm not mistaken. There's a reason why he has stuck around, for sure, on top of just being good. 
The Nuggets have a talented team. They know that this is going to be a tough process. The bench isn't fully understood yet. Uh, Ish is definitely like he could fit in. He could fit in with Bones. He talked about playing with Bones and was very excited about that too at, at that prospect. Malone talked about that lineup and that it's something that they could potentially use, although he seemed a little bit more tepid on the Ish Bones pairing. It wasn't lost on me that Denver, when they played Golden State, kind of in that tune-up game, they played Christian Brown instead of Ish Smith in that rotation because I do think that Malone just values the defense. He wants to have defense and size out there. That's his goal. So we'll see if that is what he starts with or if he goes with Ish. Uh, We'll just have to see. But Bruce is going to move back to the second unit as well. He's been starting in place of Jamal Murray. But I'm very curious to see what this looks like. You've got the staggered uh, – actually, not that. Uh, the bench rotation, he's talked about the bench center lineup. He said that Zeke Naji and DeAndre Jordan are both backup centers. Like he has two backup centers is what he said, and that one of them will play on some nights. One of them will play on the other nights. And if I had to guess, I would guess that DeAndre Jordan is the guy that's out there first, but that's fine. Like I think that Zeke is going to have to prove it. And he's going to have to prove it at center. If not, then he'll probably have to prove it at power forward. And right now, Jeff Green's played well enough, at least with the stability that you need, that he's been fine. And and Malone has wanted to keep him out there as well. Uh, Jeff Green is definitely a Malone safety blanket, which is – that's a funny one. But either way, the bench rotation is not settled. Like it's not set in stone at all. Things are still going to change, and they're still going to change with regard to staggered lineups as well. Michael Malone made mention of this, that if the Nuggets do ever get healthy, if they can play these guys and ramp up their minutes a little bit, Michael Malone has talked about staggering a starter with the second unit. I'd have to go back and get the exact quote, but he did mention specifically Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray that those guys with the scoring that they have, with the ability that they have to sort of prop up some lineups here or there, that they would be candidates to do something like that. Looks like Jokic is going to be purely starting lineup minutes, and that's perfectly fine. He's done that for the majority of his career. That's always going to be how it is. But I do think that if you can get lineups where you have Murray and Jokic out there, or Murray and Porter out there without Jokic, and then they can still prop up some of those other lineups. It's going to be different, and it's going to take some adjusting, which is why it's too bad that we didn't really get to see that much of it this year. But we did get to see MPJ with the starter or with the bench lineup against Phoenix. Obviously, he didn't play that great in that lineup, but the rest of that lineup functioned pretty well around him, which I think is fascinating too. So if he just hits his shots in addition to what that lineup did, then maybe they're a big plus. And that's an exciting thing. Finally, Malone is still very focused on this season being a process. He kind of wrapped up the – he wrapped up with a message for Dikembe Mutombo, who if you didn't see, uh, he has major health concerns going on right now. That's a a really bad thing. Dikembe is an icon within the NBA world. Uh, But before that, Malone, he talked about just this season is going to be a process, how he doesn't want to take anything – For granted, there's a lot of people that are picking the Nuggets to go to the conference finals, to go to the NBA finals, things like that. And that's because the expectations are pretty high. But Malone, he 
made sure to mention that they haven't done a, th- a damn thing yet, that they're still very early in the process. They're trying to build things up for Murray and MPJ, for building habits, for making sure that the rotation is kind of ironed down and everybody's fully going the same direction. So I absolutely understand where he's coming from on that. And I know that there's definitely a lot of work to do. I talked about this last year pretty like exclusively that Denver didn't build good habits early in the season while they were just trying to survive. And it's one of the reasons why they struggled against Golden State was because they didn't have those habits to kind of fall back on. They weren't ready for games one or two because the habits weren't there. Now, they've got to get ready. They've got to make sure to hit the ground running early on in the season. And then that makes sure that they can focus on those detail things, not necessarily just surviving from game to game. So hopefully they're able to do that. I do think that practice today was good and I thought it was pretty enlightening to discuss stuff like that. But either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to kind of circle back to Nikola Jokic, who uh, this this was a, a storyline at practice today about Joker, uh, Joker's just not, he's not being uh, super personable with the media right now. We'll talk about whether that matters at all uh, on the next segment. But first, everybody, football is back and nobody is more excited than your friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now discuss uh, Nikola Jokic, who I, I don't know if this is even really warranting of a, of a conversation, but I did want to at least talk about this, that because uh, this, this is a big part of our lives specifically. This is the part where the media kind of gets to have a window into what the players are dealing with, into what the coaches are dealing with, where our brief interactions with them is basically like 2% of their day. It's not a set in stone thing. And we've already talked about how uh, Jokic doesn't necessarily enjoy being in the limelight and whatnot. And he, he would much rather kind of be out of that discussion. But either way, uh, this has not been a good media year for Nikola Jokic, I don't think. Uh, hasn't really given that many long answers where he's thinking extensively about the question. There are times where he does, and I don't want to I don't want to misconstrue this because there's partially a language barrier. He doesn't need to do this. This is not a requirement for him to do this. Again, I do not want to like this is it sounds like just me complaining about my job. It's not. Jokic has just been pretty terse, though, in terms of 
what he's expecting, what the Nuggets are kind of going through right now. And I want to give a couple of examples. He was asked by Katie Wingy on the team's mentality from training camp in San Diego to now. What has he been what has he been surprised about? Who has stood out in that? And he said basically nobody. That quote, I expect them to show up, be ready to play, bring energy and positivity. And that was it. That was that was really what he focused on there. Malone talked about this, and he was asked this by uh, Mark Kisla, who, and I actually thought this gave some very interesting answers. Malone came to Jokic's defense on kind of his, his moodiness lately, and he said, quote, I think he has a right to be in his mood. Quote, he's not going to have a smile on his face every day, which I'm fine with. The one thing I love about him is that no matter if he's in a great mood or not great, it never affects his work ethic. That's all I care about. And that's really what this is all about. Like, no matter whether Jokic is in a good mood, in a bad mood, is edgy a little bit, Malone kind of, he posited that, look, he just left Serbia, hasn't seen his family quite yet. Definitely, uh, like, he's he's always, Jokic is always in a better mood when he gets to see his family. I'm not sure if his wife and by extension his daughter is even in the United States yet if they are in the United States. And so, obviously, if you haven't seen people that you matter to and care about, like that's that's going to be a big deal. Uh, but we are seeing a little bit more of this where he has less patience and he's definitely more serious. Uh, Malone also said, quote, he probably has a little less patience and that everyone basically has to grow the hell up. Quote, hold yourself accountable. And what I love is that when guys aren't doing that, he's being more vocal. Jokic is at this stage in his career now where the shine has definitely worn off. He's won a couple MVPs. He's been in a situation where Denver's gotten pretty close when they went to the, into the Western Conference Finals in the bubble. And he's smiling there. He's having a good time. That was probably the best moment in his NBA career if I have to if I have to guess. But at this point, over the course of these last couple of years, they've been burdensome. They've been difficult because Denver's trying to get back to that place and they've been failing at tough moments. And I have to imagine he holds himself a little bit responsible there, but he has so much pressure on him. He talked about it today. He's he's had pressure on him for 10 years. So that it, it just is what it is at this point. So he's holding himself accountable. He wants to hold others accountable. And that's part of being a good leader. That's really exciting. But I do think that this has been a strong departure from his early years, where he was the jokester, where he was the, the happy-go-lucky rookie, young player who played with, I think, kind of a, a looseness that was very endearing to everybody, didn't have a lot of like nothing was ever the end of the world for him. He was always trying to lighten the room and and tie everybody together in that way. Now everybody grows up, and if he's growing into a husband and a father and a two-time MVP with a whole bunch of responsibilities on his chest, he's probably not as focused on the light stuff as he once was, and that's fine. But I do think it is it's a very interesting 
departure from who he was. And it's fascinating to think about what it's going to turn into and how that's going to affect Denver as a Denver's personality. Because a lot of times, teams will take on the personality of their best player. That's kind of an NBA axiom. Steph Curry, he plays loose and free and takes chances and has fun, but also is all about sharing the basketball. And so Golden State plays that way in a lot of different ways. Teams take on the personality of LeBron James's teams or Kevin Durant's teams, where sometimes that's not a good thing in some ways. Sometimes it's a great thing. With Giannis Antetokounmpo, as the best player, he's very much of a workman mentality, very much somebody who's just going to keep grinding and keep working hard, and then you're going to eventually break through. With Nikola, I'm curious to see the traits that Denver embodies with him as their best player, with him as their their guy, their overall arching force. It's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing from player to player. It's just different. And Jokic is just such a different player. He's talked about wanting to be Tim Duncan before. He's talked about wanting to have a couple of championships on his resume. But it just seems to me like he's very much focused on putting his head down and putting in the work and making sure everybody else is on track. And he doesn't want to hear about anything else. He doesn't want to hear about the individual stuff. He doesn't want to hear about how how he feels about stuff. I've asked him those questions and he always looks at me like I have three heads. Like, hey, this is not what matters. And so I'm trying to get into a place as a media member where I can ask him good thought-provoking questions that give, that give good insightful answers. And I'm curious to see how that's going to continue to evolve because he's been very serious. He's got the one-liners. It's almost like he's embodying what Michael Malone has said before. Don't talk about it, be about it. And Jokic is very happy to oblige. He just does not feel like talking. I have a feeling that once things kind of – like once he, once you see some success, once Denver kind of gets away from training camp and they start to get into the flow of things in the regular season, things are going well, the team is playing well, then I think Jokic will soften up a little bit. But right now, he's approaching the season as a real competitor. He doesn't need to really tell anybody how hard he's working. Like he just shows it pretty consistently. And he doesn't want to talk about it. He's heard the criticisms, doesn't care about the individual accolades. He would much rather the team just consistently focus on winning. And that seems like a great mentality to have and also for the rest of the team to embody. Like I definitely do believe in Denver as a successful organization. And as a as a successful team, if they are going to embody what Jokic is embodying now, which is let's get serious, let's really lock in here, and we're not going to have any excuses. We're not going to talk about the wrist. Like it's not, it's fine. Doesn't matter. And they're definitely going to be more about let's just get this done any which way we can, while trying to play the basketball game the right way. And I think that's cool. That's definitely a cool thing. So we're going to see how that evolves. I'm I'm curious to monitor it and and if I'm right that maybe Jokic will lighten up just a little bit. But I'm telling you, it has been not awkward necessarily because he's just like – you naturally smile around the dude. He definitely like when he talks, you listen. You want to hear the insight of what he has to say. 
he just hasn't been saying a whole heck of a lot lately. He did give me some good stuff on Bruce Brown and KCP and their defense. He talked about, uh, I believe it was their, gosh, what was the word that he used? Um, Crap, I'll have to go look for it later. But uh, he was talking about just, it's more of how cerebral they were basically and understanding everything and picking up certain things on both the defensive and offensive end. He was complimenting them like that. And that's a really good thing. That's a really strong compliment from Yoke. Because sometimes he withholds those things and doesn't necessarily give those compliments out willy-nilly because, like he said about their effort and the expectations in San Diego, all he wants to do, like, he expects them to show up, to be ready to play, to bring energy and positivity. That's an expectation. It's not something you get a sticker for. It's not something you get a medal for. That is the expectation that Nikola Jokic has had for the team and has continued to have for the team. And I think that's one of the reasons why the team has done so well. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the early season schedule and preview what's to come for the Nuggets early in the year. We'll be right back. Back at a pickaxe and roll final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you got this far. If you haven't done so yet, that would be a really big help over at Apple Podcasts specifically. Those definitely, when you have that larger number of reviews, it goes out to more people. It's just that's just how the algorithm works, apparently. So uh would be really helpful. So thank you. All right. Michael Malone made mention uh, it was kind of in passing on a on, it was it was very Malone esque where he was talking about Jamal Murray he was talking about basically how healthy he is the ramp up process and then he kind of diverted into an answer that was about how oh, how hellacious the early season schedule was and that it was just unfortunate that this was how this was going to be thirteen of the first nineteen games on the road and I wanted to check that. And I wanted to talk about it tonight because I think that this is kind of the best time. I think I'll do more of a NBA-wide predictions and finals picks and things like that tomorrow, along with some other practice content tomorrow. But for now, I want to preview Denver's schedule specifically. And let's go over their first 19 games. This is 13 of the first 19 games on the road. And the reason I want to do this is because Denver... A lot of their a lot of their parts of their season are going to be it's going to be very segmented because Denver in the first 19 games or so, they're going to have a version of Murray in all likelihood that isn't the final version or anywhere close to the final version. You'd probably think that after the first 20 games or so that he would be a little bit different heading into like December and January in that general range. That's when you really start to change things over. But for the first 19 games, Denver's on the road for 13 of them. The thing that everybody should take solace in, though, is that the schedule's pretty weak. And we're going to go through each of these games. Two back-to-backs total. The first game, at Utah. Then at Golden State. Then you've got the back-to-back versus the OKC Thunder. That's a... That's... We're going we're gonna to find out who plays in that one. It should be funny. 
at Portland is the next game. Then at home versus the Lakers, at home versus the Utah Jazz. So they play Utah twice early. Then they go on the road and play the Lakers. Then they go on the road and play the Thunder, play the Thunder twice early. Then they go home to play San Antonio. They travel to San Antonio. And then that that basically starts a four-game road trip at San Antonio, at Indiana, at Boston, at Chicago. So you're going kind of from San Antonio to the uh, East Coast, basically. Indiana is not the East Coast, but you're going to the Eastern Conference. Then you come home for one game. You play the New York Knicks. Then you go to Dallas and play two games in Dallas, at Dallas, at Dallas. Then you come home and play Detroit. And then you do another back-to-back and you play at OKC. So three games versus the OKC Thunder in the first 18. And then you finish that 19-game stretch at the LA Clippers. So I went through each of those 19 games. And I have to imagine that Denver, unless something crazy happens, they will probably be the favorites in about 13 of those 19 games, despite the fact that they are um, going on the road, despite the fact that there are some back-to-backs there. The only two back-to-backs that they have are against OKC. So in theory, like if you're, if you're treating OKC as the standard 20-win team that they're supposed to be, and that Denver's supposed to be, then they should probably win both of those back-to-backs, despite the fact that they're back-to-backs. The problem is that Denver kind of struggles with OKC, and they have some of these moments where they don't necessarily do the best against sub-500 teams, but last year they did. Last year they took advantage of those opportunities and played pretty well. Just running through this here, you've got one... I'm counting Utah as a sub-500 team, by the way. You've got one game... Two, three, four, five, six games against plus 500 teams. Eight games if you count Utah. I don't think we should. So Denver's in a position where despite the fact that it's kind of a, it's a tough road heavy schedule, they're still going to have opportunities to rack up wins if they travel well, if they play well early in the season. The problem, of course, is that You don't know how many games Murray and Porter are each going to play. The bench is going to be pretty unsettled early in the year. Not necessarily sure if that's going to be a lineup, a bench lineup that has success or is going to hemorrhage points. I think with last year's bench, it definitely felt like that one was going to hemorrhage points early in the season. And we could see that in the preseason. This year, I haven't seen that really. Like, I think Denver's bench is going to be fine, especially if they play Bones and Ish Smith together. I feel pretty comfortable about those guys and, and really the, the foundation that they have together. And the good thing about getting healthy guys back is you can always stagger Jamal Murray and Michael Porter to help out those guys even more. So Denver has options. They have the ability, I think, to play functional units against these teams, where I remember last year, their bench lineup to open up the season was Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, PJ Dozier, Jeff Green, and Jamichael Green. That is horrible. It had no scoring. It had no ability. And honestly, their only scorer at that time was Bones. And sometimes they staggered Michael Porter 
but he wasn't the same version of himself that he was either. So Denver's going to have more scoring because Bones is just a better player than he was at the beginning of last season. And Michael Porter, assumably, is better too. Murray too. And I actually like Ish Smith as well. Like that's going to really help them out. There's going to be more function to the groups that Denver's going to be able to play early in the season. One question I have is can Denver carry their momentum from the preseason to regular season? I don't think that's a thing. I really do think that they're going to wipe the slate clean in all likelihood. And that's mostly just going to be something where they have to regain that momentum. But it starts in Utah. I think Nikola Jokic is going to come to play. I think Jamal Murray and Michael Porter are going to come to play. I don't see any reason why they can't beat the Utah Jazz. Although, like Utah has both good and bad traits where they have veterans that can be successful against a team like Denver. But they also have veterans that aren't going to defend and that it's really going to be difficult for them to stop Denver if the Nuggets get into a rhythm. So assuming that Denver can kind of capture what they were doing well on offense while also just playing hard defensively, I don't see any reason why they can't be about 13 and 6 or 12 and 7 during this hellacious stretch. If that's the case, let's say they go 13 and 6. Let's even say that the, through the first 20 games of the season, they go 13 and 7. If you multiply that by 4, and extrapolate out to 82 games, that's about 52 and 28 through 80 games. And this is a hellacious schedule, as Michael Malone has discussed it. Denver's going to play tougher months. They have a tough January, but it's almost all at home. They have a tough March, but a lot of that is at home too. So it's going to be fascinating to think about how they start the season specifically. Because if they start it well and they set themselves up for later in the year, let's say they do go 13 and 6. If they're favorites in 13 of those 19 games, let's say they win 11 of those games and then they're 2 and 4 in the games where they're not favorites. I think that seems reasonable. Then they're 13 and 6, and at that stage, you don't have to bring back Murray so early. And like really ramp them up. You don't have to feel like you have to play Jokic 80 games. You can give them some breaks here or there. Unlike last year, where Denver started behind the eight ball and was flirting with 500 through the first 30 to 35 games or so. If you start hot and you maintain that for the first early part of the season, then you get out to the rhythm that you need to sort of maintain and give yourself some cushion. That'll be Denver's best thing, because once they start getting into that zone in December and January and February, where it gets really home heavy, that's when Murray and Porter are really going to start cooking, I think. And Denver will be at that place, where as long as everybody's healthy and together, and you feel pretty good about that, then the Nuggets should be pretty, pretty happy with where things are going. So, I think that the win-loss record early is still going to be really good, just because it's, in in Malone's terms, a hellacious early season schedule. I don't really think it is. I think Denver's just road heavy. I honestly do. Because if Denver takes care of business, 
if they make it work, then they should have a really good early season schedule. If like they could go 15 and 4, 14 and 5, and it, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, you're probably not going to play Murray and Porter in all of those games. So maybe there's going to be some gaps there where you don't get the best versions of yourselves. And instead, you have to rely on the subpar versions of yourselves that, that aren't necessarily as good. And you open yourselves up to some losses here or there. But if Denver can set that baseline at like 14 and 5 and then lose a couple games that they probably should win and they drop down to 12 and 7, that's still okay. That's still perfectly fine. You're going to be okay. So I think Denver's well set up early in the year. Like I said, here are the first, here are the first 11 games of the season at Utah, at Golden State, back to back versus OKC, at Portland versus the Lakers versus Utah, at the Lakers, at OKC versus San Antonio, at San Antonio. It's three, six, nine, ten, and then the next one is at Indiana. So, like their first few games are really easy. If you take care of business, they should be in a really good spot. And Nuggets fans should feel pretty good about it. Now, if they don't take care of business and they start out the year like four and six, or five and six, or four and seven, then that's going to feel really ugly. And there will be a lot of discussion about being about it and not talking about it, which that should be pretty funny. But either way, folks, that was good. I had a good time with this episode. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. On the next episode, there will be a practice, I think, on Monday. We'll probably discuss a little bit about that. But I'll also, I think, be doing some overflow questions from the mailbag. I had plenty of responses, good responses to the mailbag. I'm not going to be able to get to answer all of them but I will answer some of them on the podcast. So make sure to pay attention to that. Also do some predictions. So that should be fun too. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.